I'm super excited to be here. Uh, just like Cal said, my name is Jose. If you never met me, it's Jose, Jay, hey you, like, I'd be like, huh, yeah, mm, hello, yeah, but uh, my name is Jose, super excited to be here tonight. Um, just a little bit about myself, because uh, you probably don't know me, we probably never had a conversation, I probably don't know your name, and I, I'm, I'm like one of those people who like really suck at, you know, remembering names. I'll remember your face though, like that's easy, you know, until, you know, we follow each other on, on Instagram, and now I associate your Instagram name with your face name, or your face, and then some of y'all got some weird Instagram names. So then I associate your face with that weird Instagram name, and then it just gets awkward. Um, but yeah, so a little bit about me. Uh, so I am actually uh, not born here. I was born in Maryland, but raised here in Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. Uh, I thought y'all would be more excited about Tampa, Florida, you know. Um, but yeah, so currently this is what I do. So currently I am in the military. I'm an active duty uh, Army soldier. Um, so that's kind of like my life, kind of what I do right now. Uh, but this is like... I would say my bread and butter, because this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, which is ministry. Uh, not because I want to be on stage and be in front of people, but because I believe in people and I love on people. So if you want to have a conversation with me after this message, cool. Like, you know, that'd be awesome. Or you can have a conversation with me in Chick-fil-A because, you know, Chick-fil-A is the best. Hell, <clears throat> the Lord's chicken. All right. But uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. So before I get started, I just want to, you know, do some honors and that kind of thing, you know, I'd be a little proper and stuff like that. So first I want to get up for my amazing wife who's here. Babe, stand up. So you've probably seen her if you've been coming weekly. Her name is Nicole. She loves conversation too. But she's a lot better at conversation than I am. So talk to her. All right. And then uh, also I want to give a shout out to my mom. She's right there sitting in the front row. My aunt that came. And so my boys up there in the front. What's up, guys? Thank you for coming out. But um, before I get started, I just want to do one simple thing uh, because I, I believe that when you give honor to those like who have invested in you, God's got to honor you back. And so for me, two people that have been like very instrumental in my life and kind of helped me be where I am today, like standing on this stage, is uh, Pastor Hal and Chrissy. Can we give it up for them real quick? They are amazing people, amazing pastors. Um, and after this message, if I come too direct and I break your heart and I hurt your feelings, go talk to him. He'll help you. Uh, that's his job. So you're welcome. Just putting that out there. But uh, anyway, so I'm just going to get started. Okay. So um, let me give you a little preview of what's about to happen. So my longest message has been like 40 minutes. My shortest message was like eight minutes. So it's going to be somewhere in between there. I'm not going to give you like a definite answer on how short or long it's going to be, but it's going to be in that range, but there's a couple things that are gonna happen, all right? So I need you just to, to, to key in on this moment right here, okay? I'm not gonna prophesy to you, that's not gonna happen. I'm not like one of those people. But what I am gonna do, I'm gonna speak to you directly. I don't walk around the bush. I, I'm gonna say certain things that, being serious, they might hurt your feelings. Because I believe that God has sent me here with a mission with a purpose to help basically invest in you in this moment, in this time, because of the season that you're in. So please pay attention. If you're going to be on your phone, I'm not going to hate it because I'd be on my phone sometimes too. But it be, better be because, you know, you're following me on Instagram or, you know, you're tagging me on the post or something like that, something crazy. No, I'm just kidding. But I really just want you guys to pay attention with me. Go on this ride with me. So before I get started, just give your neighbor a high five. Be like, pay attention. 
And then the person that you ignored be like, don't bother me. See, it works every single time. All right, guys, so pull out your, uh, well, I don't know if anyone carries Bibles anymore. If you do, you are holier than me. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, But if you have your Bibles, pull out your Bibles, pull out your iPads, your iPhones. If you're an Android user, you're dead to me. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just joking, that, that's a joke. I'm just trying to bring some laughter, you know, and soften up the place a little bit. But I'm a big Apple user, but we're gonna be meeting in Joshua chapter two, all right? And we're gonna, I'm gonna be reading from uh, Joshua chapter two, verses one through 14. And so we're just gonna go through real quick, and I'm gonna read from the screens. And it says, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shadim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute. That's weird. I'm just going to put that out there. Two men of God go and they walk into the house of a prostitute. It's a little strange. Like, I don't, I think God put that in there on purpose. And so I think you guys like need to pay attention to that. Just remember that part, prostitute. Just, I know I'm going to keep saying it, but there's a reason for it. All right, so went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman, speaking of Rahab, had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hid them under the stalks of flax. She had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. I know it's a lot of scripture, but just hold on. I'm almost there, all right? We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. And this is the key right here. Our lives for your lives. The men assured her. And when I was reading the scripture, I thought it was like very, very interesting because there's a couple of things that go on within this passage. Number one, two godly men, and I said from the beginning, show up in the house of a prostitute, which is weird. I mean, today, I'm not gonna go that, I'm not gonna go there. But I'm just saying, two guys who worship God, who were called by God, went to the house of a prostitute. Somebody who was looked down upon, somebody who was doing the worst of the worst, somebody who everyone just looked at and turned their backs on. So then this person, Rahab, takes these two men in, and she had no reason to do this, covers for them, protects them, and whatever was those people who were coming in to kill them, 
right? And they could have killed her too. She still did it. She did that by faith. She did that by faith, right? And then what was crazy is that that those last few verses, after they left, she's like, hey, I I made this sacrifice by faith. I I, I did this certain thing for you. Can you please tell me that my family is going to be safe? So what she was doing was something literally by faith. And so I feel like where this is going is sometimes in order to get where you got to get to, you got to get through the path. You got to take the path, right? So many of us were in a rush to not be in the path. And so like just a little bit about me, and this is, I'm going to, throughout the story, I'm going to be sharing a little bit about myself. So I used to be a swimmer. I know I don't look like a swimmer because, you know, I'm kind of, it's just a sweater. It's, you know, that's all it is. I'm not that big or nothing like that. But, you know, I used to be a swimmer. So when I was swimming, I had one goal. I had one goal in life, and that was to make it to the Olympics. So throughout that time, what I had to do, I had to make sacrifices, right? I had to, in order to get to where I wanted to get to, I had to wake up early. I had to swim twice a day. I had to train twice a day. I had to eat a certain way. I couldn't go on certain things. I couldn't do certain things. I missed out on a family cruise when I was young just to reach my goal. There were certain things that I had to do, a certain path I had to take. And, and what's interesting about that, when I, when I reflect on it, is that so many of us, we have this goal in mind, and that's our only focus. Our focus is only on the goal that we miss out focusing on the path. We focus on being in the moment, being in the process of what we have to do in order to get to where we got to get to. And so thinking about that, it brings me to this, to, to this point, my first point out of three is this, is that we need to learn how to trust the process. We need to learn how to trust the process. And there's two reasons why. There's two reasons why we need to learn how to trust the process. The first being is because character and definition are created in the process. Character and definition are created in the process. Here's something fun for you guys. And you probably heard this before. I'm not sure if you heard it before, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. So, because I'm up here. So, yeah, listen to me. But anyways, this, this is what I'm talking about. So, how many of you guys know, like, what gold is? Gold? Like the actual gold, jewelry, gold. Just trying to see if you guys are paying attention, you know what I mean? Just trying to, trying to get back a little bit. But anyway, so gold, in order to get to its purest form, what does that have to go through? It has to go through? Refining. Boom. That's the answer that I was looking for. Thank you very much. Yeah, anyways, gold has to go through refining process. That, 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 that refining process is called the fire. I, I, I don't know if I'm saying this right, so if you're a jeweler, don't hurt me. I'm just, I'm just a guy bringing a message, you know what I mean? But basically, it's called the fire essay method. Eth- method? Method. That's the, that's the term. But anyways, this, this is what it is. So the most commonly used and one of the most accurate methods for refining gold is the fire essay method. This is an industry standard procedure that, while reliable, is very involved and requires many steps. Hmm, that'll preach right there. The process is worth the time. And effort it takes. However, it has been proven to be 20 times more accurate than any other method. This is the key. Even though this is the most used process for assessing gold, it can be time consuming. The process needs to be precise. And there was a lot of room for something to go wrong and for the calculations to be inaccurate. Because of this, the process can only be relied upon if skilled workers carry it out meticulously. Why am I bringing that up? Because character and definition 
has to be built in the process. See, many of you, sometimes me included, we're in a rush to get to the end product. And the thing is, if we rush through the process, we're not going to be refined. We're not going to be great. We're not going to be anything that God intended us to be. I don't know if you guys are listening to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is stop trying to get out of the situation that you're in. Stop trying to rush everything that you're trying to get to because there's a reason why God has placed you in that season, in that process, because it's going to make you a better person. It's going to bring you to that goal that you have, but you have to stay in the process. You have to trust the process. That last part said skilled workers have to meticulously work on it. That's big. Why? Because if you're allowing your friends to mold you, if you're allowing your relationships to mold you, if you're allowing people other than God to mold you, you're not going to be refined. I'm giving you that answer right now. The second thing that happens when you trust the process is there's blessings in disguise that are revealed in the process. That's, that's important. Because so many, think, so many people think that when you're in the process, that it's just that you're just in a process, that it sucks, that, that there's struggles in there and that you hate it. But there's blessings in disguise in your process. Check this out. Verse, uh, verse 4, if we can put that back on the screen, verse 4 on there. Um, Joshua 2 verse 4, it says on there, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. Uh, why am I bringing that up? Because it's, it, wait for it. Here we go. Ready? Verse 11, verse 12. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign. Why do I bring that up? Because she trusted the process. See, Rahab did not know, did not know that what she was about to do, that there was something going to come out of it. She did it by faith, right? I'm going to keep saying that. She did it by faith. And, and what's great about that is that because by faith, something happens, right? But she still did it. She still trusted the process. She still knew that I could, I could die right now. Something could happen to me right now. Something can happen to my family. But I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to know that God is in control. God is working. But I have to have that faith. I have to be able to trust the process and walk on through. Why? Because there's blessings in disguise in the process. Imagine if Rahab would have never allowed that to happen. Imagine if Rahab would have given them up. She would have missed a blessing. More than likely, we wouldn't be talking about her today. More than likely, her family would have died. So there was a blessing in disguise because she allowed that to happen. Here's another passage of mine that I love. It's Matthew chapter 5. And it says here in verse 3, You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you, only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can be bought. Verse 7, it says, you're blessed when you care at the moment of being careful. You find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. See, it's when your toughest moments when you're in that season where it feels like 
everything is breaking loose and everything is going wrong when you're most blessed. But it's on you. And that kind of brings me to a point, and, and, and I started thinking about this. And this is my second point. We need to move from being at relationship with God to being in relationship with God. I know that, that might sound a little crazy. But I believe that a lot of us, sometimes when we're in that process and we're trying to trust the process, we're just at relationship with God. We're not actually in relationship with God. What does that look like? Being at relationship with God just means that I'm at church. Is that me? sorry. Being at relationship with God just means that you're at church. You're at your small group. Maybe you're at community groups. I don't know. Being at relationship with God just means that your Tuesdays and your Sundays are basically the only time that are designated for God. That there's no God within the four walls of your heart, just the four walls of this building. Being at relationship with God looks like this. You got that bumper sticker that Jesus love you bumper sticker. You got that, that, that what would Jesus do bracelet, that he would love first bracelet. But what you wear is not what you live. You might be listening to that worship album all the time, but what you listen to is not what you speak. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are understanding what I'm saying. See, at relationship with God is like attending a movie. You go to a movie and you're like, yeah, Facebook check in. I don't know if anyone does that anymore, but you kind of boomerang, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm at the movies, right? But you're so not involved in the movie that when someone asks you how the movie was, all you say is, it was good. So many of you, your, 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 your status is at relationship with God, that when someone asks you about how church was, what you learn to you say, oh, it was good. It was a great message. That pastor preached. Felt it right there. It was amazing. <laughs> See, being at relationship with God, so many of you, you're, you're just in that concept, which why you wonder why you can't find community, why you don't want to serve, why the same things keep happening and you can't find the strength to fight it. We are so deep being at that we forget about being in. See, being, in, being at relationship with God means that you just show up to church. Some of you guys, you're so at the relationship point that you replace an actual message with podcasts and video messages. But if you're not in community, you got it all wrong. You're trying to progress in life, you got to get in community. And that's where it brings me to being in relationship. What does in relationship with God look like? It means continually praying. Continue praying doesn't mean you get on your hands and knees and you're like, Jesus, you know, I need this, I need that. Continue praying means communicating. How do you expect to be in relationship with somebody and not communicate with them? Imagine what kind of marriage I would be in if I didn't communicate to my wife. Imagine what problems we would face. What wouldn't happen? What would we be missing out on if we didn't communicate? That's what being in relationship with God looks like. Being in relationship God, with God looks like God is your number one priority. This is my favorite part. And, and this kind of hit home a little bit, you know. Y'all ready? Yo, this is what being in relationship looks like. It means that you make the efforts to pursue God. Not a girl, not a guy, not sex, not Instagram followers, not fitting in. That's not what being in relationship looks like. See, you seek what God has called you to do, not what is calling you on the weekends or who is calling you right now. Are you walking in that relationship with God 
where you're listening to what God is calling you to do, what God has placed on your heart to pursue? Are you doing those things? We just came out of this mixtape series and we talked about a lot of deep things, but I'm pretty sure most of y'all in this room haven't changed a single thing. Some of y'all are still pursuing that girl or guy that's doing no beneficial thing for you. They're not helping you. They're not even sitting in this room right now. And what I mean by that, they might not even plug in that church whatsoever. I don't know who I'm talking to. That was in my notes, but that was for somebody. Y'all need to be in relationship with God, not with people. Excuse me. You can be in relationship with people. All right? let, me just, let me just clarify that. I'm sorry. Sounds a little crazy. But I mean, stop putting people before God. Stop putting your weekend, your plans, your party. Yo, some of y'all stay more late at night talking to somebody on the phone than your 30-second conversation with God. I don't know who I'm talking to because I talk to myself too. I'm telling you, I feel convicted after this, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? But being in a relationship with God, it, it, it's not just, you know, posting something on social media because you feel good. Because you heard a great sermon and it's like, you know, I got to share this on a Sunday. But then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you acting all crazy again until you come back into church. And then you do the cycle and you keep completing it over and over again. Being in a relationship with God doesn't look like that. Being in a relationship with God doesn't mean that you listen to a Stephen Furtick or Mike Todd message. It's like, wow, that was amazing, so I'm going to share it but you don't even apply it. Most of y'all are in that, in that space right there. Being in relationship with God this is what it looks like. Being in relationship with God means that you are a walking example of Jesus on this earth by how you serve others, how you speak life into others' lives, by being the literal, the literal hands and feet of Jesus in today's society. That's what being in relationship with God looks like. And maybe you're, you're sitting here and you're like, Jose, um, maybe I'm not in relationship with God, and, and, and how do I do that? And it starts with one thing and one thing only. You have to let God in. You want to be in relationship with God? You have to let God in. You have to let him in. In. I don't know if you guys are understanding. You have to let God in in order for him to work, number one, in your life, or to get you to where you got to get to. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says this. It says, behold, I stand at the door and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Why is that so important? God is literally standing at the door of your heart and he's continually knocking. He's knocking. He's knocking for you to open the door. But so many of us, we hear the knocking and we ignore it. Or so many of us, we're like, you know what, I'm just going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to open the door and I'm going to just walk out and completely ignore Jesus. And then on your way back in, you ignore Jesus and then you go back in. And so many of you are wondering why you are stuck in a place that is not fulfillment. But I, I feel like this is our biggest struggle. So many of us, we're not in relationship with God because we're not letting him in. So many of us are just afraid because of everything we've done. So many of us, we don't want to be used by God because we don't think we're worthy enough. But let me tell you something else. And God says something else too. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, it says this. Can we put it on the screen? It says right there. By faith... 
the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. I read that and I was like, wow, why? Because it says right there, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, she was named something because of what she was doing, but because of her faith, she wasn't known that she, because she was a prostitute, she was known because of her faith. She wasn't known by her mistake. She was known by her faith. That's what crazy. That's crazy. And that just brings me to my next point, my third point. And is that we need to understand that what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for good. I feel like we sing that song so much that we actually don't believe it. Because of possibly what we've done. Possibly because of the mistakes, the mistakes we've made. But that verse we just read before was a perfect example of it. Just because what's happening in your life may be evil or because what you're doing can be considered evil, it doesn't mean that God can't turn it for good. It doesn't mean that the situation that you're in or the struggles that you're dealing with, it doesn't mean that God's not going to turn around for good. Some of you, you might be in that space where you're actually, you know, you're trusting the process and you're in relationship with God, but you're going through hell. But that doesn't mean that hell's over because you're just going through it. You're not in it. You're not staying in it. You're not dwelling in it. You're going through it. And in order to understand that part right there, that part where it says, meant for evil, God will turn it for good, it requires two things that you need to know. The first one being that, God is faithful. God is faithful. Here's a fun fact. The book of Joshua was written as a record of God's faithfulness in fulfilling his covenant promises to Israel. What's funny is that so many of us, we're not willing to believe the covenant that we're in with God. That we look at it as a contract. That it's a requirement for us to either be, on, be there on a Sunday or be there on a Tuesday. That, it, that, that if we're not fulfilling that contract, that God's going to disappear. God's not going to be present. But I'm telling you, my friends, today that you are in a covenant. What a covenant means, a covenant cannot be broken. A covenant cannot just disappear. You're in a covenant with the Lord God Almighty, and even though you may have stepped away, God is still faithful. God is still here for you. God is still present for you. But back to my previous point, you have to let him in. Here's another verse, Philippians 1.6. It says, I am, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I don't think y'all got that. God, who began the good work in you. So he already started. He already placed in you that he's going to start doing something, right? He's going to continue his work until it is finally finished. So if you don't have a date after that hyphen on your tombstone, God's not done with you yet. I don't know if y'all listening. Some of y'all think you're done. Some of y'all think because what you went through that there's no going back. Some of you guys think that God can't use you in the situation that you're in. But there is no date at the end of your hyphen. You don't have a tombstone over you saying that you're done. God says you're done when he's done. 
God can still work in you, but you got to let him in. This is what, there's a little context under that verse, and I want to share this with you. It says, God is always faithful to ensure that his work will be effective in the lives of those who remain loyal to and dependent on him. This is the best part. However, comma, his faithfulness can do nothing for those who resist his grace and refuse his gift of salvation. It's powerful. I don't, I, don't, I don't think you guys heard that. It says right there, God is always going to be faithful, right? But his faithfulness can do nothing. His faithfulness can do nothing in your life if you don't accept his grace over your life, if you don't accept his mercy over your life. And that brings me to my next point in that, is that God is forgiving and forgetful. What do I mean by forgetful? It's a little crazy. Not that God forgot about you, but that God forgets your sins. You want proof? Okay, I'll give you proof. I mean, it's in the Bible, so I'm just going to say it to you. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will no longer remember their sin. Hebrews 8, 12, And I will forgive her their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Hebrews 10, 17, Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. It was so purposeful that God wanted you to know that you are not defined by your sin, that he had to put it in there three times. Literally, the, the saying that goes, three times is a charm, right? Because it's a fact. So many of you guys, you're in that place where you feel like you're just worthless. You feel like you're not worthy enough. You feel like you've made too many mistakes. You feel like just because you haven't been faithful, that God's no longer going to be faithful, he doesn't want to do anything with you. But can I tell you something today? And this is something that I apply to my own life. Just because you made a mistake, that doesn't make you a mistake. Just because you failed, that doesn't make you a failure. Just because you screwed up, that doesn't make you a screw up. See, God wants you just the way that you are. God wants to use you in the season that you're in. God wants to use you because you decided to come here on a Tuesday and receive something from God. He's like, hey, you, you went out of your way, so I'm going to go my way out for you. But you have to let me in. You're not defined by your mistakes. You're not defined by your failures. You're not defined by your screw-ups. Look at Rahab. She was a prostitute. She was the lowest of the lows. But what's crazy is this. Because of her faith, she was a part of something great. Matthew chapter 1. I love this passage right here. Verses 1 through 5, and it's, and it's talking about the genealogy of, of Jesus. And it says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah the son of David, the son of Abraham, the guy that you come on Sundays to worship, the guy that you come to worship on Tuesdays, that Jesus that we're talking about. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nishon, Nishon the father of uh, Salmon, Salmon... Salmon, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, Salmon, the father of Boaz. But this, this is the best part right here. Whose mother 
was Rahab. Rahab, the same lady we were talking about earlier, the same prostitute that we were talking about, the same person who made all these mistakes, the same person who probably screwed up many times, the same person who would answer that text, even though they didn't have cell phones back then, but answer that text to go over to somebody's house, they answer that booty call. The same person who probably went and partied on the weekends and then probably showed up to church on Sunday and then went back out with their friends the next weekend. That Rahab was part of the genealogy of Jesus. Because of her faith, because of her willingness to not be defined by who she was, to not be defined of what she did, God used her. And she was in that process of allowing herself to be a part of what Jesus did to save your life and mine. And that's why I talked about it in that first part, that first verse we talked about. Because there's a reason why God allowed that to be in the Bible to let you know that she was a prostitute. But just because she was a prostitute, her faith overshadowed that. I don't know what y'all are dealing with. I don't know what your struggle is. But by faith, it will overshadow whatever season you're in. By faith, it's going to overshadow whatever struggle you have. By faith, that person that keeps haunting you is going to overshadow that. There's, there's, there's something that I want to share with you guys. And just because I'm, 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 I'm up here, you know, on the stage, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. I'm not. I make mistakes on the daily. But by faith, I've been able to persevere. See, I've been in the process. And I've had to allow myself to trust the process. And we're going to talk about, the, or Hal's probably going to bring it up later. But today's my last Tuesday here at the exchange. And my plan, like I said, I'm in the Army, right? My plan coming here to Florida was to stay here. I had three years left, was to get out the Army, start doing what I wanted to do, start doing ministry, start, you know, loving on people. But what's happening now? I'm getting moved. My wife just moved here from Texas, and I'm getting moved. We start serving at a high-capacity level, and I'm getting moved. But there's something that I had to understand. That if I want to get to where I got to get to, I have to, number one, learn how to trust the process. Right? Number two, I have to be in relationship with God in order to get there. But number three is understand the fact that what was meant for evil, God's going to turn around for good. So I don't know what situation you find yourself in today. I don't know what you came here with. I don't know what burdens you got on your back. But you got to stop beating yourself up. You got to stop beating yourself up and allow God to start healing you. You got to stop holding people to the mistakes that they made and allow God to fix you. God can't work in you if you don't remove these things out. If you're not making room in your heart 
God's not going to be able to fix you. God's not going to be able to heal you. God's not going to be able to take you to that next level that you're trying to get to. God's not going to give you that promotion that you want. God's not going to put you in that relationship that you've been praying for. God's going to leave you right where you are if you're not allowing him and making room for him to come inside your heart. This is hard to say. Because I believe so many of us, we've been in this, this part right here. Some of you have to stop hating God for the cards you were dealt. Because some of you, you kind of hate God. Your presence is here, but you're actually not present. Because you're not allowing God to work in you. Because you kind of hate God because the cards that you got. Because what we talked about last week, because of the daddy you didn't have. Because you got father issues. You got daddy issues. Some of you are blaming God and you're hating God. And you're not allowing him to work in your life because you haven't seen no progress in your life. Some of you are blaming God because you're working paycheck to paycheck. But you got to stop. Why? Because if you trust the process, by faith, God's going to take you from bringing who you think you are to taking you to who you're supposed to be. But it starts with you. It starts with you allowing God in. It's time to remove the bitterness. It's time to remove the unforgiveness. It's time to remove your own disbeliefs. It's time to remove the lies that you put on yourself. It's time to remove the lies that people may have put on you. It's time to remove the lies that you're believing because the devil tried to tell you that you're not worth it, that you're a mistake, that you're never going to go anywhere. You're not going to amount to nothing, that you're right where you are because that's where God decided to put you. You got to remove that stuff. What was meant to destroy you, God is going to take that and turn it around and build you stronger, higher, wiser, unbreakable, unshakable, unmovable. God's going to build you up, but it starts with you letting him in. So I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know what you're struggling with. It's something I seem to say every time I'm on the stage because I feel like everyone goes through their own process and everyone goes through their own struggles. But wherever you find yourself today, if there's something that you take away from this message is that God is faithful. He is never going to leave you. God sticks to his covenant. He sticks to the promises that he has given you. You may have heard a great sermon, or you may feel like God has literally spoken to you. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about in the past. But you don't see what was spoken to you come to pass. God is faithful. But you got to hold on. You got to trust the process. You got to allow God to build character. You have to allow God to build integrity. You have to allow God to define you. Don't allow your mistakes, your sins, your failures. I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's the hardest thing that, that we deal with as young adults is being defined by our mistakes. 
We think that our mistakes is what we are. But I'm here to tell you that you're not. God has a big plan for you. God wants to take you to that next level. God really cares for you. But you got to let him in. Let me pray for you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, first I want to give you thanks for your faithfulness, God. Because despite our failures, despite our screw-ups, despite our mistakes, God, you're faithful. And God, right now in this moment, I pray for every single one of us, God. Because the hardest thing to do is to trust the process. The hardest thing for us to do is, is to think that something's gonna, something good's going to come out of what we're struggling with. That the season we're in is only meant to destroy us. That we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I pray right now, God, and every single person in this room, that you impart this word. That we understand that you are faithful and that by our faith, by through our faith, God, you're going to work. That what the enemy meant for evil, God, you're going to turn it for good. I pray right now, God, that you give us the strength to push through. That you remove the people that need to be removed, God. That if our circle gets smaller, God, that the people in our circle are in our circle are stronger than us, God. That they keep us accountable. That they push us towards faith, God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that every single person in this room, God, can realize that you are there with them in the season that they are in. Right now, my God, change hearts, change minds, change attitudes, change focus, God, that we can be aligned to what you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen.